Hello and welcome to the I'm a Mainframer podcast. My name is Stephen Dickens and I, this podcast is brought to you by the Open Mainframe Project, a Linux Foundation collaborative project focused on open source adoption on the mainframe platform. I'm joined today by somebody I've spoken to before and had the pleasure of hosting a Facebook live game show with. So hopefully today's going to be a little bit more slick and a little bit more organized. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So Anna, if you could just start off, give the guests, give our listeners just a view of you as a guest, kind of your background, why we've invited you onto the show, kind of just get us orientated and get us started if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So I graduated from the University of North Texas with a Bachelor's of Science in Business Computer Information Systems and a Bachelor's of Business Administration in Decision Sciences. I was introduced to the Master of the Mainframe competition in one of my mainframe, mainframe courses at school, which led me to becoming the first woman to win Master of the Mainframe and also be a back-to-back -back Master of the Mainframe winner for the 2017 and 2018 contest. I hired on with IBM about a year ago, and I am a DB2 for ZOS systems programmer. So Anna, I, uh, as I said, I got the pleasure of uh, interviewing you and a couple of your um, contest fellow contestants for the Master of the Mainframe back at a think we were trying to work out pre-show whether it was 2018 yeah. or 2017 but maybe just give us a view if you don't mind of what master the mainframe was you you're obviously I, I think you are first double winner or first back-to-back -back winner yeah i'm not sure but um you know master the mainframe it's a student uh led co or student competition um, and it consists of three different parts and the parts get increasingly more difficult as you go through them. And uh, it is built for people who don't have skills in mainframe. And it's also people built for or built for people who have skills in mainframe. So it kind of encapsulates a huge audience where anyone can participate in it. And so talk us through how you found Master the Mainframe, kind of what that first exposure to the mainframe was as a platform. There's a lot of people who listen to the show who've maybe got a career in mainframe, but I think what I'm most interested in is you're still relatively new to the platform. So really keen to understand kind of what it was like first coming to the, the mainframe. You know, we hear a lot of misconceptions. So I suppose I'm keen to understand what your first initial experience was. Yeah, so I was introduced to the Master of the Mainframe contest in one of my college courses. And um, my first impression of it was, wow, this is, it. it's old. Cause I was thinking, you know, looking at the green screen and it's the lime green letter, it was the black background. You're like, whoa, okay, let's see what we can do with this. And um, I was thinking, you know, there's, there's, um, when you're first entering it, it seems kind of like an outdated technology, but the more that you get into it, you see how amazing it is, you see how wicked it is, you see how powerful it is and secure and reliable and the zero downtime of it. And so my first impression, I was a little 
skeptical at first, but when I started participating in Master of the Mainframe, um, that's when I started to kind of get an appreciation for the mainframe. So I first participated in Master of the Mainframe. I did uh, three years and um, the first year I didn't do so hot. Um, I think it took me about a month or two to complete all the challenges in part two. And I didn't continue forward with part three. And, um, you know, once I was done with part two, I think there were only like a few days left of the competition. So I made it a goal for the that next year's contest to do my best and get through all three parts of the contest. So next year's contest comes around. I spent a good portion of my time getting all of the challenges done. To me, it was really tough, um, but I knew I had to persevere, which ended up paying off because I was the first place winner in North America and was the first woman to be a, uh, to be a winner. And so having that introduction to the mainframe really helped me see, you know, how important it is today and how important it is to our economy and how important it is and will be in the future. So unpack for us a little, obviously thousands of people do master the mainframe every year. What did those three sort of phases involve? What were the tasks you were set? And did they evolve over the sort of three years that you did it? So I'd be really sort of keen. We'll probably have a bunch of people listening to the podcast who are maybe thinking about doing Mass of the Mainframe as it comes up kind of the next cycle. So maybe maybe just tell them what to expect, what's going to what's gonna be that journey. What are those three modules? Yeah, yeah. So it's three parts. Um, the first part is usually just getting some sort of basic knowledge of what a mainframe is, kind of understanding how to navigate in ISPF. Um, the second part, you'll start getting to some of the coding challenges, JCL, Java, C++. Um, it, it, the, the instructions really tell you what needs to be done. So as long as you follow the instructions, um, you won't have a hard time with it. But then when you get into part three, the instructions become a little looser. And that's where you are starting to require to think outside of the box, have a little bit of creativity. And then when it comes to the final challenge, that's where they'll give you some sort of skeleton program or skeleton instructions of what should be done. And that's where you really want to harness that creativity and those skills that you've learned in part one and part two. And um, utilize that and um, create the final challenge. And it's really based on what you want it to be. There's no specific way that it should be done. And um, it's really cool because you can put anything that you want into this program and um, really start to use your skills and showcase what knowledge that you've had. And uh, then it gets judged. So Talk us through, you kind of go on and win in, was it 2017 and then again in 2018? Yeah. What's that meant to you? Obviously, you've joined IBM and, and probably that's got part of, there's, there's definitely a link between those two, but I'd be keen to just pull on that thread a little and understand you go in this contest, you win it again. What does that, what has that meant? so far for you? What, what's been the sort of payoff, I suppose, is my question. 
Yeah, so winning the 2017 and 2018 contest, it really got my name out into the Z community. And so I had a lot of employers reach out to me on, you know, internships, full-time employment. So winning this competition, you know, it put me in this sort of spotlight um, and it allowed uh, employers to come and reach out to me and um, typically, whenever you graduate college, you're hopeful that you get one job offer. And so by the time I was done with my senior year, I had so many phenomenal job offers, I, I really didn't know what to do. And so while winning has its challenge or has its benefits, there's also its challenges as well, because you know, the downside was is that I had multiple phenomenal job offers. And so it was a really tough decision to kind of figure out where I wanted to go after I graduated from college. I suppose I'm with the rest of our listeners right now, though. That's a first world problem to have. <laughs> yes, <right>? exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, so I suppose I don't have much sympathy and I don't think our listeners will for I had multiple oh, great no, job no, offers. No, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I, I'm joking there, Anna. I mean, I think <laughs> it, it's, it's fantastic to hear that journey. So you join IBM, you're joining us in the, in the DB2 space. Tell, us a, tell our listeners what that's been like coming out of college. As you mentioned, you've got these fantastic job offers. Uh, as an IBMer, I'm really glad that you took the job to come and join us and, in the mainframe space, but, but really come and sort of give us a view of that transition from kind of student to early professional. Yeah, so uh, what Master Mainframe provided me was uh, basic fundamental skills in the mainframe. And so having those fundamental skills and then also skills that I learned from my college courses, um, I was able to kind of just jump right into the work. Um, my third week on the job, I was assisting with setting up a DB2 data sharing. And I obviously wasn't much help, but I was the driver that was setting it up and me having a little bit of previous knowledge of DB2 and also being comfortable navigating in ISPF helps me retain more information, even though majority of the time I had no clue what was going on. And um, with that information that I retained two to three months later, I was setting up DB2 data sharing all on my own. And I was a bit intimidated entering the workforce at first, but with me having a strong foundation of those basic skills, I was able to, to flourish and start building upon those skills that I had already learned. So what does IBM have you doing now? What does a typical, I mean, I think this is a really inspiring story and an inspiring journey for some of our sort of the master, the mainframe people who were sort of taking it today, a lot of people who are looking to build a career in the mainframe. So you're kind of, what are you, a year into IBM now? Is that roughly where you are? Yeah, about about a year. Yes. So what does a typical day look for you today? You're in the DB2 space in our database development team. Kind of what does, what does that look like as a day-to-day? Yeah, so uh, my day-to-day, -day, it's, it's different every day, but the base of it remains the same, and that's supporting our um, ISVs, our independent software vendors. So my team works to deliver and support mainframe technology uh, for ISVs. 
And so some of my tasks include setting up DB2 data sharing, applying monthly maintenance to our vendor systems, customizing DB2 on vendor systems, and then just in general, supporting our vendors to be successful in what they do. So Anna, I mean, it's been a fantastic, and I knew parts of this story, but it's been good to sort of pull some of that out and get our listeners to listen in. Where do you see, it sounds like you've been on a roller coaster over the last two or three years. Where do you see that roller coaster for you personally? And then I'll come on to a couple of other questions, but where do you see that roller coaster for you personally for the next couple of years? That's what's next? Question. Yeah, I, I really don't know what's next. Um, for me, I just want it's I'm in that position where I just want to learn as much as possible. I want to absorb all of the mainframe material. And um, I, I don't know where that will take me. I, I mean, I would hope that I'm still somewhere in the mainframe realm, obviously, but I just I'm at this point where I just want to absorb as much as I can. And I don't know where that next step will be, but I'm excited to see what will happen. So that kind of leads on to one of my next questions. Kind of, and, and you're relatively new still to the start of your career, but one of the questions I consistently ask of our guests is, what advice would you give to your younger self? And I normally phrase that coming out of college, but I think I'd maybe move that time horizon just a little further sort of forward and say, you know, maybe you're at college, you're thinking about college, what would that advice you would give? You've got the chance to wind the clock back five or six years. What advice would you be giving yourself back then? Yeah, so I would definitely tell myself, you know, don't, don't back down from a challenge. And to, to have confidence in yourself, you know, that, that's something that I'm still learning today. And um, technology isn't as scary as it seems. Um, when I first entered college and... Um, and I started to go down this technology path, you know, I thought I wasn't smart enough to, to do the work. Um, and so that really deterred me from, you know, thinking that, oh, I belong here, I belong in this realm. But um, I had really strong female role models in my life, like my sister and my mom, who are both in technology and, and they showed me that, you know, if you put in the hard work, you can and you will be successful in this sort of area. And so there are times when, you know, it does get a little scary, but it's usually the scary things that end up having the biggest payoff. So I think, I mean, you, put, you mentioned something there and there's a lot of women in tech Mm -hmm. pieces and we're going to be doing more on that I, i've volunteered to do some stuff to kind of shape how the open mainframe projects thinking about that space it's a big topic for us as we try and bring in other communities and and engage and, and kind of reshape what the mainframe looks like maybe it would be remiss of me if i didn't ask what's it been like as that first female winner you touched on a couple of strong role models there just maybe unpack that a little for our listeners, what, what that specifically means as, as you as a, a young woman joining into the workplace and coming through that journey, if you don't mind. Yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, when I learned that I was the first woman to win Mass of the Mainframe, I was I was a little bit taken aback by it because I did have those strong role models in my life. And, you know, I was looking to them and they were really successful. And so when they told me like, oh, you're the first female winner, I'm like, well, that that's odd because why hasn't this been done before? Um, how am I the first one to be the first female to win? And so I, it, that kind of showed me that like, even though we're getting a bunch of women into the field of technology, we still do have a long ways to go to retain and keep women in the technology workforce. And so, yeah, I, I was a little bit taken aback, but, you know, I would just tell if I were to give advice to younger women that are, that are entering is, you know, the same advice I would give to my younger self, you know, don't, don't be scared, you know, have confidence in yourself and persevere and you will be successful in this career. I mean, that was, you kind of answered the question I was, I was going to ask, you know, specific, and, and I kind of feel almost bad in asking it this way, but specifically as a woman, what's been that experience? What's been that kind of getting into the mainframe space? Personally, I'm su surprised as you were that, you know, when we first met, I, I was meeting you as the first female winner of the Mass of the Mainframe. And, and that felt odd to me too, that it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, this is 2017. That feels right. like we, sh we should have broken through that ceiling already. But, but maybe sort of, Give us a, a bit more depth on that. I think there's a lot of women who listen to the show. There's a lot of women that we're trying to speak to and get more involved and take an active role in the Open Mainframe Project. So maybe just kind of embellish on your answer there and give us a little bit more. How that's been particularly coming into IBM might be a thread to pull on. Well, I feel extremely lucky because the Z community is so welcoming and and I, it was like that from day one. And I, you know, I still feel welcome to this day. And I know that, you know, a lot of other women don't have that sort of, you know, feeling, they don't really have that community behind them. And so I, you know, being in the Z community, it has just been amazing because I feel welcomed 100% of the time and I've never had a bad experience. And um, I'm really proud to, be in a community that is accepting of, you know, everyone and um, is willing to, you know, help out in any sort of way. Um, everyone knows that people in the Z community, they have a bunch of stories and they love to tell their stories. And it's awesome because you can just, you know, absorb all of their knowledge. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm in a position where I'm extremely lucky because you know, there is such a strong community that is supportive and um, yeah. Well, I mean, the name of the show is the I'm a Mainframer. And I think there genuinely is, it's not just the name of the show. I think there genuinely is something in that, that we are a community. Mm -hmm. Obviously we've got the Open Mainframe project as a kind of formal gathering place as you will for that community. But I genuinely do think you are a mainframer. You could oh, yeah. be at a different vendor. You could be at a different company, but there's that kind of common layer. Maybe unpack, I mean, and this is a good question, I think, to understand, given the name of the show. What does that mean? What does being a mainframer mean? You talked a little bit about the community there. Just maybe give us a, 
your view of what it means to be that mainframe? Yeah. Yeah. So mainframers, they're very, very welcoming and they're, they let you, you know, they, It's hard to put a, a, a sort of feeling on it, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. It is because it, it, it and, and, and I'll maybe help you out and maybe struck. There is a bit of an X factor. There's a sort of weirdness to this community, I think. And I, I mean that obviously in a positive way. I see the multi-generational nature of the platform. And you see people like yourself who are just welcomed through but with open arms at some of the events and some of the places when we used to gather in person back in the good old days um you know it's it's a really interesting dynamic there's this you can have worked for different companies you can be competitors it's not linked to a company mm -hmm. it's linked to a platform and it's a really weird kind of dynamic i think you you could be a mainframe who works for broadcom a mainframe who works for Suze, a mainframe who works for IBM, a mainframe who works for one of our business partners. You could be a mainframe for any of those companies working on completely different technologies. You could be in the Linux side, you could be in DB2, you could be in ZOS. So it, but there's still that common layer, that mainframe layer. Would you agree? Would you see the same? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. It's not um, a company that you belong to. It's the platform that you belong to. And when you go to mainframe events, you know, everyone's talking about the platform. They're not talking about, oh, how great their company is and what they're doing. They're talking about the platform and how awesome and wicked it is. And um, I think it's really cool to see how we all bond on this one piece of technology and not necessarily are divided by, you know, which company we belong to. Yeah, that for me, that's the interesting piece. You know, you could be a DB2 tools person for Broadcom and a DB2 tools person for IBM. You're on the booth during the day selling your products and then you'll see those two people in the bar with a couple of other former colleagues and they've been friends for 20 years and there's that common bond of their remain framer, but their day job is to compete with each other tooth and nail in a small market to, to compete, to win business. So it's a really interesting dynamic that, as you say, we're, we're all mainframers for our affinity to the platform. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. So, I mean, as we come to wrap up, Anna, this has been fantastic. Uh, as I say, we met a few years back and it's, it's good to hear that that was the start of the journey. This kind of feels like the sort of next point on it. One of the questions I always ask of the guests on the show is, where do you see that next sort of three to five years out? I give you the, the sort of archetypal crystal ball the mist's clear and you get to see where you, where the business and where the, being a mainframer is sort of three to five years out. Where do you see the platform? I think that the platform will be extremely important in the future. I believe that mission critical data will still reside on the mainframe years into the future. 
Um, I also think AI and machine learning will become more prevalent and integrated in Z. And, you know, uh, not a lot of technologies that are used today can say that they've been around for 70 years. And that's the really cool thing about IBM Z is how it has morphed over the decades. And um, I believe that IBM Z is one of the most sophisticated and diverse technologies out there. It's not only the security, scalability, and zero downtime that has kept it around for so many years, it is its adaptability. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I think that data center of gravity and for mission critical data is going to be going to be set central to the platform as it has been for those last 70 years for the next few decades at least going forward. Anna, that's been a fantastic conversation. I'm glad we were able to reconnect. I think listening to your journey and some of the points you mentioned has just been fantastic for me and I hope for our listeners. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my name's Stephen Dickens. You've been listening to the I'm a Mainframer podcast brought to you by the Open Mainframe Project, a Linux Foundation collaborative project. If you like what you've heard today, please click and subscribe to the podcast and hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening.